That is very concerning because that's the start of the process. Control what they can see and control on what they consume so then you control how they think. And then while simultaneously... Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Tea with Taylor. Thank you for joining me, as always. In this episode, we're going to focus on a book that I recently finished, In Order to Live, by Yomini Park. And this is a story, like a memoir of how she, she's a North, North Korean defector, so it's her journey from North Korea and then escaping. And it's such an inspiring and important book. I recommend everyone read it. It's an easy read. It's about 275 pages, uh, simple language. And in, this is kind of, like I said, it's her story. And then in this episode, we're not going to focus so much on her story, but more so the psychological context of what is happening in North Korea and the political policies as well as ideologies that cultivated North Korea into the devastating situation that it is in today. So if you want more about her journey and more information, of course, I recommend reading the book, following her on social media. She has a YouTube channel and she's active on other social media platforms. And like I said, she's very intelligent. She's very inspiring. And I think her story is so important for today. It also, like, not only is it always relevant, but it gives us some perspective of our situation here in other countries and how grateful we really should be. So, as I said, I want to focus more on the psychological and political ideologies that are discussed in the book as and that led North Korea to be the devastating country and the the human atrocities that take place in that country today. So, first because the Kim regime considers itself to be a socialist utopia, um, they claim to be that, they call themselves that, and it started, it's been a, about 70 years. And I think to first start off is to give some context as far as what is socialism and this socialist utopia they speak of, and many people today are hoping for, actively fighting for to obtain. Um, I'm, of course, as many of you probably know, an American citizen and I see a lot of this today and it, it's worrisome. So what is socialism? Socialism is a political system orchestrated under the Marxist ideology and the Marxist ideology is uh, a various economic and political theories advocating for collective um, collective or government ownership of administration of the means of production and distribution of goods, a system or condition of society in which the means of production are owned and co um, controlled by the state, a society or group living in which there is no private property. And if you read the book, The Communist Manifesto, which again, I would recommend you all reading that as well. It's like 30 pages and it spells, it lists out and conceptualizes what is the Marxist ideology. And in the book, it says if Marxism can be summed up to one sentence, it would be to abolish all private property. So if you really want to know what the socialist, communist, Marxist ideologies are about, read that book. All of you are capable in doing so. So let's go into the situation in North Korea because, like I just mentioned, they're a socialist utopia. 
And that's part of the problem in of itself because obviously it's anything but that. She speaks about the horrible atrocities that go on in the country and the fact that she escaped to China, was then a sex slave in China, escaped to North Korea, and now is living in America. You don't do that if you're living in a utopia. And that is one of the issues that the left side of the political spectrum gets wrong time and time again is that a utopia here on earth is unattainable because humans are flawed and therefore will never live in a perfect society and once we need to grasp that because when they're constantly trying to obtain this utopia it always turns into socialism and communism and when you have socialism and communism you have anything but a utopia they are both political systems but we'll 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 use the terminology socialism in this episode because they consider themselves a socialist utopia but like i said the kim the kim regime has been in power for about 70 years and in that time the before they were under japanese imperialism and i apologize if you hear my cat he likes when all the attention is on him so simba please keep it down and <laughs> anyways i apologize so as i was saying the kim regime has been in power for about 70 years and they, in order for them to obtain the power that they have and to keep it going for so long, they've had to implement disastrous and in, immoral policies against their people. And how they start a revolution to a Marxist revolution in hopes of obtaining a socialist or communist political system is that they start by portraying their ideology as wanting everyone to be equal. They want every they want equality for all. They want the society, you know, there's no rich, there's no poor, we're all equal and it's going to be great. We're going to give the government up all they're going to have control over the whole economy. They're going to have control over our lives and they're going to make it perfect for us. They're going to we're going to have unlimited amount of resources and they're going to distribute it evenly. And this is a romanticized ideology for people and it's very seductive because many people fear responsibility and when you have freedom you have responsibility. And when you have socialism and communism you give up all your responsibility along with your freedom to the government in hopes for them to create this this perfect life for you or this perfect society which as I said earlier is unattainable because humans are like they're not perfectible and when you every system of power has portions of corruption so like when you have a system with a small portion of the society with unlimited unlimited power it will be corrupted so they start off the revolution or they start gaining support by their citizens is the the romanticized ideology of equality and the ironic situation the irony in the situation is every time socialism and communism is then implemented it is not an equal society like in north korea they said they wanted everyone to be economically 
the same. But now that they live in a socialist utopia, she speaks about how there's 50 different subgroups of classes in North Korea. And you're born into those classes. So like in uh, free society, I'll use America as an example, you can be born into a devastating situation and you have the opportunity to make your way out of that situation and live a successful life if you work hard for it. When you are born into the North Korean or North Korea's socialist utopia, the class that you are born into is the class that you will remain unless you were to be lowered in society. So you, there's no opportunity to gain or there's no opportunity to move up in society only to be lowered. And the point of that is because they want to keep the people at the top in control. So what I mean by that is if your great-grandfather was born as a landowner, well, he is considered one of the lower spectrums of society. So when you're born, you're born into that class. So it is anything but an equal system. And the people that have the most wealth and the most power are those in government or close to government power. So it starts off by wanting the best for the people because the government loves us so much. They want to take care of us. And it ends in the government having com complete control over the citizenry. And the way that they obtain this is starting by the conversations and the sexualized, ro or I shouldn't say, the romanticized ideology of equality. And then they have to start controlling the minds of these people in order to facilitate the political policies that will obtain full government control. Because like I said, communism can be summed up to one sentence. It's to abolish all private property, which means everything's controlled by the government. So the situations in North Korea under this socialist regime are anything but prosperous. They are, if you look at a map, they are the darkest place on the map. They don't have electricity. The only source of electricity is in Pyongyang. Pyongyang. Don't make fun of me. The capital of North Korea where the regime and lives and where tourists would come because they want to show off to the world like look look at everything we've done when the rest of the country is living in poverty and despair I mean she would say in the book how they rarely ever saw electricity and you think about today in the 21st century everyone in the modern world has access to electricity and this is forced by the government they're living the the, the citizens are living in a 16th century situation environment in a 21st century world and this is facilitated purposefully by the government. Like in the 1970s, which is when this their socialist uh, society started to crumble because they were getting backed by other communist and socialist societies like the Soviet Union and China, and they were funding the North Korean economy. And then as that started to collapse, so did the North Korean economy. And when they were receiving financial aid, all of it, the government took all of it and they didn't give it to their people. They didn't use it to alleviate poverty of their people, yet they used it to build their military and to build missiles, which on a side note is why I'm against all foreign aid. I think America should end all of its foreign aid. I do not believe it goes to the people. I believe it goes to the governments and it's the American taxpayers actively boosting up 
military forces across the world and it's very foolish to me let alone we're trillions of dollars in debt and we don't need to be subsidizing other countries we have a lot of problems on our own but i digress on that point so the society starts to crumble and there is no innovation or ability to make a living for yourself because in a socialist society the government gives out all the jobs they mandate all the resources and they facilitate all the trade they facilitate all the wages so there is no individual responsibility or opportunity and that's how they keep control of their people and then she also mentions at this time like i said all the the aid that went to the country went to military operations or incentives and the people were forced into a famine and it was forced by the government in intentionally and part of that reason she also speaks about which is just so uh, i i'm lost for words just just thinking about it but they a forced famine because when you're hungry all you can think about is food you don't think about revolution you don't think about revolting against the government you don't you're not creative you don't think about art or music or what you want to be when you grow up all you think about is how to survive and get food and that's actually how her journey to freedom started it wasn't that she was oppressed and she was trying to leave this repression this repressive regime as we'll get into she didn't even know she was oppressed and she thought the regime was taking care of them but she was so hungry and she lived on one of the outside cities of North Korea where she could see China and China had a bunch of lights because they're a more modern society and so she thought if she went to where the lights went she could find food and that's part of that's one of the saddest parts about the situation is she says North Koreans are so innocently ignorant that they don't even know that they're oppressed they are have the indoctrination of the society runs so deep that they start from a young age throughout their lives the government controls what information they have access to what speech they can use therefore they they control how they think and the ways that they do this have been also done in other societies like the indoctrination of the youth which uh similarly in Nazi Germany they had like Hitler youth where they were taking children and young adults at a young age and indoctrinating them and transforming their thought process. Well, in North Korea, likewise, they the when they're taught in school, this is just crazy when they're they she didn't have, she never saw a world map when she was in school. She only really knew about like North Korea, China, um America, but America was referred to as American bastards. They were the enemy as well as Japan because they were under Japan imperialism and South Korea, South Korea and America war capitalist enemies and every time you were to refer of refer to america it was american bastards and they would learn math like two plus two equals a two american you have two american bastards and you kill two american bastards how many american bastards are left zero and that's how they would teach uh math and they also were taught as a society that the kims were like immortal they were gods and they are to live with you forever even when Kim Il Sung died his spirit lives on for you forever and they were indoctrinated to believe that these humans these governmental these government tyrants 
were godlike figures and they were doing everything they could to help their people. They're, they live in a socialist utopia. The world has it so much worse than them. And they don't have access to the outside world to even know this isn't true. There is no internet. They, the, the information, like as far as the books, they're all about the Kims. And they're, they're, they only have one TV station or radio station and that's not to be tampered with. If you tamper with the radio station, you could potentially be sent to a re-education camp. So it's literally forced by the government for you to only obtain the information that they want to see. And part of this, they would have, at one point, they would have like a black market where they would get some books or some movies of the outside world. And she said like they were still so indoctrinated. She would see a movie like the Titanic where they have obviously a way more advanced world. And she wasn't able to comprehend how is it that this movie they're living so well, but this is how we're living. Because they don't know how they they weren't able to learn critical thinking because part of the reason was obviously the indoctrination through the school system but they also altered the language over time and the words that were able to be used and so when you when you manipulate language and speech well then you manipulate thoughts because if you don't know the words or the concepts of words how are you supposed to think about that and some of the examples she used and she related it to the movie 1984 because when she started reading and she she read the book 1984, it allowed her to conceptualize what happened in North Korea and how it was that they were in the situation that they were today, as well as his book um, Animal Farm. And those are both by George Orwell. Again, I would recommend reading them. They're pretty easy reads and they give you a good idea of how socialist, communist, political systems are start and end and how they're controlled. But like I said, they controlled their speech. So in North Korea, you don't have terminology for trauma because there is no trauma in a socialist utopia, even though these people are living in a very traumatic environment, as well as there's no I. There's not like, I like to do this because it's only we. So like we like water. We like to do this because the whole point of that is to look at the community as a group. There is no individuality in communist and socialist environments because there are no individual rights. Everything is everything is to be done on behalf of the group. And so you don't matter, your rights don't matter, the groups matter. And Part of to lose individuality, they also, you don't refer to others as their name. Like you don't have friends, you don't say hi and introduce yourself. You refer to everyone as comrade. And part of that, again, is to not have an individual, you're not an individual. In, you're, a, you're a part of the party member first before you are yourself. And part of that is to dehumanize people and to try and manipulate the relationships among one another. And another way that they do that is obviously, like I said, through terminology, but they also make you through all these indoctrinations and thinking that the group comes first and therefore the government is the betterment of the society and they are working so hard for their people. They create government warriors. So the society is 
willing to turn one another in to the party because they, one, think that they're traitors to the gods, the Kims, while also terrified that if they're caught to associate with people that are maybe doing something that could be punished by the government, that they will be punished as well. And when you're punished, it's not like, when you're punished for speech, too, it's not, it's not always a crime, like as far as their, their justice system or their criminal system isn't something like you hurt another human being. It's you spoke out or did something to harm the regime, you will be sent to a re-education camp or a labor camp. And so they have a society built on fear. And it's not just fear of yourself, it's fear of you and three generations of your family. So they have a guilty by association system. And another reason for that is that people can be more brave or willing to sacrifice themselves, but less so to knowing that they're sacrificing their family. And so by having group by association, it will prevent other people because it's not just you, it's your family. And I wanted to discuss, obviously, I'm mentioning things that are happening in North Korea today, but I want to relate that to what we're seeing today in society. And I'll start by saying we're seeing the diminishment of God. And when you have a, when you're taking God out of the society, and we're really taking out God through politics too, because we're trying to, humans, which the left understands very well, humans have a natural tendency towards a higher power or a religious tendency. So when you take God out of the equation and you put forward a political agenda as far as God isn't your moral equivalent, God doesn't tell us what's moral and what's right and wrong, it's the government. Well, then that manipulates what is right and wrong because the government, which are humans, which are flawed, will then control the society in a sense that isn't reflective of what God would want. And so we're seeing a destruction of God in the society and that is purposefully to replace God with, when you remove God from society, you don't have moral right and wrong standards. And they, in North Korea, she would say they would go to public executions. They would see dead bodies everywhere. They would, there was, there'd be starving children. And she said she wouldn't even feel empathy for them. And you, which shows that humans need to almost be taught to have these feelings. When you can't conceptualize your thoughts, how do you have feelings towards them? So they keep the mind numb because that's how, the, and they keep the information limited and they keep your thoughts limited because for fear of punishment and that's how they keep them in control while also not give, giving them enough to, they're keeping them unhealthy or always having to survive so they don't have a time to sit back and think about what life's really about and that this isn't how life should be lived. And another thing that we were just speaking about is that they control the language. And that's why the First Amendment in America is the First Amendment for a reason, is the freedom of speech. Because you have to be able to speak freely if you want to think freely. And in America, 
even though there's things that might offend people, seriously, get thicker skin. They're just words. But it's terrifying to see that people are getting in trouble, fired from their job, ostracized from society for saying something that's offensive, for misgendering someone. And of course, everyone should be polite, but you shouldn't be punished for saying something. Like, we have the privilege and the right to criticize our government. In a country like North Korea, if you criticize your government, you could be executed. They literally are such a tyrannical regime that they have guards on the outside of the country where they have fences and they have IEDs so to prevent people from escaping the country. In America, we have people crossing oceans and borders to come into the country. If our country is so bad, why are people coming to it, but yet they don't want to leave? I'll let you think about that. Another thing that is concerning that we see today in society is the censoring of information. We have big tech along with big government working side by side in censoring opposing opinions. Whether it be Facebook, YouTube, we have recently the government saying that they would work with cell phone carriers to track our text messages or data if we're spreading vaccine misinformation. The government does not have the authority or the right in America to tell us what information is misinformation. And when you have big companies like tech that control the stream of information in this country along with big government telling you what you can and cannot read, watch, ultimately think about and say, that is very concerning because that's the start of the process. Control what they can see and control on what they consume so then you control how they think. And then while simultaneously reprimanding people for saying things out of the line that the government or big tech wants us to say is controlling our speech. So when we look at these things and some people are like, oh, it's just, it's just banning Donald Trump from social media. Mind you, the sitting president of the United States. It's just banning this influencer because he said something mean. We as humans have a short-term memory where we forget about things so quickly that it doesn't, we don't totally see the compound interest of our rights slowly being taken away until it's all at once. And <laughs> in historical context and in present day, when you give up your freedoms and liberties to the government, you rarely, if ever, get those freedoms and liberties back. And we really need to stop taking them for granted in this country because there are societies right here in 2021 living under an oppressive regime like North Korea. And we're here willingly and actively fighting for a system that a system like North Korea that consider themselves to be a socialist utopia. And not only is there North Korea, there's societies like China or historical contexts like the Soviet Union and not in Nazi Germany. There's Cuba who just had um, have been fighting up against their communist regime. All of these 
societies are socialist and communist political systems that are facilitated and under the ideology of Marxism. And so it's important for us to be informed about what these things truly are and what these ideologies really mean. The information is there. It's not very difficult. It's definitely not difficult to get your hands on. We just want, we should, we, we should want to think about these things a little bit and want to know more and not just trust the TV, the computers, the, the, our phones to give us honest information. We have, just because we have the ability to have access to all information does not mean we're smarter than others that came before us because human nature doesn't change all that much and humans have a tendency for power and so that is why it's important to give the power in, have decentralized power. You don't want so much power in a group of small amount of individuals because it will be corrupted and you'll do it at your own detriment. We're literally, a lot of people in our society are willfully fighting for a system that will ultimately enslave them. And it's fascinating to watch. It's also obviously worrisome. And when you read books like this, it just gives you perspective of how privileged we are in this society. And I wish Americans would have some perspective. And that's not to say we're a perfect country. We're not because humans aren't perfectible. But we've got a lot better than other countries and our founding principles were those of individual freedom. Were those of the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's not to say everyone who's led this nation or helped fight for this nation were perfect beings because humans are flawed. But there's a lot of, there's nuance in these situations and there's nuance in people. And while it's enticing and I understand the thought process of wanting an equal society, like I said, we have to understand that that is an impossibility and that we should want freedom and the responsibility that comes with freedom so we have the opportunities to be who we are meant to be and who we want to be and succeed or fail or fuck up our lives or live a great life. We have the opportunity to do that under a free society. Now, freedom is difficult. She also speaks about that becoming free after living under a regime was one of the most difficult things because she didn't have to think. She didn't have to think what her favorite color is or what she likes to do or what she was going to do in her life. That was done for her. And that's appealing to people because people are scared of failure. They're scared of responsibility. And what they don't consider or think about fully is that you might be fearful of or upset by the inequality in society, but you don't think about this utopia that you're yearning for and that you're working towards is not what you expect it to be. It's repressive. It's you have no rights, you have no freedoms, you have no ability to be yourself, and you ultimately are slaves to a government that controls the people. And it's not an equal society, it's a human rights violation. And 
those are we have examples of these situations historically and present day and yet somehow so much of our society doesn't see it they honestly think that the government and these big corporations and the tech and the media are out, are are on our side yet consider them to be part of the resistance of the patriarchy it's like for living in the 21st century and to have so much access to information we're like really stupid and we've learned we stopped learning how to think critically and we're very for being conscious beings we're very unconscious and unaware of our surroundings and i think it's important for us to realize that freedom and these rights and these liberties that we have specifically here in america and our constitution and our bill of rights and the declaration of independence and the ethos and the idea that america is is fragile and it's unique in historical context it's unheard of and so it deserves to be fought for and protected and defended and that's not to say it doesn't have a right to be criticized everything has a right for criticism even god which i believe in i'm a christian even the word israel means to struggle with god so even those of religious who of people of religion who believe in god even they are allowed to criticize or question god and it's important to be able to have that in your society where you can criticize and question your government without fear of reprimandation and we see so much fear in our society to speak out for what we believe in to now they're forcing us to wear masks they're controlling how who we can see when we can run our businesses and we as a polite society and an ignorant ignorant one in my opinion is just like oh well it's really scary about this virus it'll go away eventually and we're so short-sighted that we don't see that there's a bigger sinister plan behind all this they're seeing how much they can get away with and how quickly because their ultimate goal is to control the people because they care about you and if there's one thing that i hope and pray for for this country is that we recognize this and that we come back to the funding pro our funding principles founding principles that belief in the individual that the individual is the most important over the group identity and we can't let their constant their constant reminder of all that is bad for group identities and that if your ancestors did something poor you should be reprimanded and held liable for it today and so we really need to stand up and think about these things and work towards standing up against it and limiting the power of government i believe in the people and i believe in us as a society can solve more problems and are more capable of running a successful society and economy with a small limited decentralized government and that's another reason why the united states is so so unique we're supposed to have most of the power in the states and for many generations now we've given so much power to the federal government that it really reduces the amount of freedom each individual has and each state has so 
we need to start learning about these things and thinking about these things and respecting freedom, even though, and accepting that freedom is fragile and it has to be fought for. It has to be continually defended. And so I hope you take the time to look up some of her, some of her work, read her book. Like I said, it's very easy and it's very informative, inspiring, eye-opening, and hopefully it'll give you some perspective of how privileged you are for many countries, especially here in America, and that our founding principles are, are, are to be defended and they're worth fighting for. And you should be more scared of not speaking up for what what is to come and what is to come for us and our children and our grandchildren than potentially losing a job or having friends not like you because the end, the potential end is far more scarier than the reprimand, the reprimandation that you might get in the short period of time. So I hope you guys all speak up for what you believe in. I hope you take it upon yourself to educate yourself. And it's important, but it's also fascinating. Human nature is, is very fascinating. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Tea with Taylor. And I hope to see you guys soon. Take care. Read. Do your own research. Think. Be a conscious being and self-aware. And God bless. See you guys soon. Thank you for watching another episode of Tea with Taylor. If you enjoyed that episode, I suggest watching my other one called What is the Communist Manifesto, where I dig into the ideologies that are described in the book by Karl Marx and Engels. I also have other videos about the government involvement in the economy and things of that nature. So check them out. If you found any value from this video, please consider sharing, sending to friends, liking, subscribing. I really appreciate it. And I hope to see you guys again soon. Again, thank you for watching and God bless.